you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to go to Matthew 3 and 11. You forgot it. Matthew 3 and 11, and uh, Joel 2, 28 to 29. If we could stand as we read these, that would be lovely. We're up and down. But, uh, so we do. Enjoy our exercise in. My watch tells me I need to stand for a minute every hour. So, just looking out for you. Matthew 3 and 11. Uh, this is John the Baptist speaking. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And then Joel 2. 28 to 29. A lot of you know this one. It says, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And upon also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. We're gonna preach, teach, whatever it is we do, speak. Um, a few minutes on the promise of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray once more uh, together. Pray that God would have his way in the rest of the service, that he would move and work and do whatever it is that he needs to do today. Jesus, hallelujah again, we come to you. And God, I pray that you would minister after your word today. I pray, Jesus, that your spirit would have his way. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would touch and move and, and I'll just call today. God, let your spirit be poured out. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for all you've done, God, what you're going to do and continue to do. Jesus, I pray that your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Be seated. Be like, that kid was asleep. I put him in that seat. The promise of the Holy Spirit. So for the month of January, uh, you might have noticed on Wednesday, we're going to focus on the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, whatever you want to. All is the same thing, just different words. And we said last week um, that this, that our church and our lives, our homes, they need to be houses of, of prayer. And this is true. And we also need to see his spirit work and move in our lives. So these are the things that we will be focusing on uh, for the next little, little while. Um, anyways, so if you don't believe that we need to pray or you don't want to see Spirit of God work. Um, I don't know. Could be rough for you. Um, so this morning we're just going to set this whole month up with with this, the promise of the Spirit. So we're going to look at the verses in the Old Testament and that foretold of the coming of uh, the Holy Ghost. And a lot of times when you read through your Bible, um, you will it will refer to the Spirit of God. And often when it does that, it's uh, when He's working and He's Moving. So when you see in your Bible the Spirit of God as a phrase, uh, it's usually when he's in action. So the first time we see this is Genesis 1, verse 2. And it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. So this sets the tone for the rest of the Bible. There's going to be a lot of scriptures today, so if you don't like that, I don't know. This isn't your day. <laughs> So sets the tone for the rest of the Bible. So a lot of a lot of people um, in January we decide that we're going to read through the Bible in a year. Um, 
and then we get to Deuteronomy. <laughs> Stop. But um, if you haven't yet, you're not too far behind. Only nine days, you can catch up. But um, so if that's you and you're reading through your Bible this year, keep an eye out for this. As you read through the Old Testament, you will find story after story of the Spirit of God moving upon or coming upon a person. Generally, it's an individual, and he moves on them to complete a specific task uh, or to say a specific thing. If you read through the book of Judges, you'll see it happen a lot. There's Othniel, Gideon, Jephthah, Samson, all these people, and the Spirit of God moves on them, and they do some incredible things. Or you, you got the prophets, you got David, and all whatever, all this, all kinds of people. So um, for all kinds of reasons, sometimes it's to tell them how to furnish the tabernacle, how to make the garments for the priests, or sometimes it's for judging. Not that kind of judging, but um, telling people <laughs> leading. Sometimes it's prophecy. It's all different kinds of reasons, or different reasons. And Peter says that this is how the Old Testament was written in 2 Peter 1.21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So this is how this is all. Uh, that's how we got our Bible. So, so there's a uh, a precedent in the Old Testament for the Spirit of God moving and working in the lives of people all throughout the Word and all throughout history. But it seems to be focused on a select few, just here and there. Just one guy for this thing, one guy for that, uh, for specific purposes. And these moments of the Spirit working on Samson or Othniel or whatever... Uh, for specific acts and times is not the same as when it's poured out in the book of Acts. But as the Spirit moved on these prophets of old, they prophesied of a day that would come when people would be filled with the Spirit of God. So we've just come through the Christmas season, and I'm sure you've noticed um, that while we were going through the different stories, uh, we spent a month doing it um, through the different parts, and we were looking at all these different characters, there seems to have been a lot of spiritual Activity And what we mean by that is things happening out of the ordinary, unexplained things. Right? you got angels showing up several times. you got miracles happening, two miraculous births. And then the Bible says that Zacharias, Elizabeth, and John were all filled with the, the Holy Spirit. Right, And things are starting to, to ramp up. And yet all this activity uh, is happening. John and his family are filled with the Holy Ghost. But John realizes that this isn't quite it yet. That's the things that the prophets told about they were still to come, which is why we read in our opening text, John says in Matthew 3 and 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So John says there's somebody coming that's going to do, that's going to take this up another level, another launch, I guess. He said there's someone coming who's bigger and mightier than me, and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And with fire. And I know this is a lot of information I'm just throwing at you right now, and some of you are still awake. That's good. Uh, spanning a lot of time. I'm trying to present it to you in a short span of time. Hopefully, hopefully it's clear. But I'm trying to show you that the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is uh, very much biblical. I know that some say it isn't, and some say we don't need it. And so my goal today is to reaffirm and strengthen. The church to let us know that, yes, this is a real thing, that God had this plan, and it's still for us today. Maybe you didn't know, and hopefully by the end you will. So back to it. So the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2 is what 
um, John was referring to. Acts 2 and 1 to 4 it says, we know this, And the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hold on. It's warm. <laughs> My goodness. Those windows really keep the heat in. <laughs> so this thing that happens in the book of Acts chapter 2, this is a result of the promise of God. Throughout the Old Testament, we see that God reveals his intentions through prophecy. Very rarely did he ever do something big without first warning or telling his people about it. The flood, Noah knew about it. Um, judgments, the fall of nations, blessings, the destruction of Jerusalem, the coming of the Messiah, all this stuff. These are big events and they all were told about. Even stuff happening now. And so there's there's this precedent that God reveals his intentions through prophecy. Sometimes it's straightforward. Obey this. And this happens. Disobey. And that happens. Sometimes it's a little more confusing. Like the book of Revelation or Daniel. And then something, you know, after you're like, oh, that's what it meant. But he didn't often give the whole picture to one prophet, but a few different ones with a few different pieces of the picture. And when he did it, it doesn't seem like the people he was using fully grasped or understood everything he was saying through them. 1 Peter 1, 10 to 12. Peter says that basically these guys didn't quite get what was happening. And then at the end he says the angels, they still don't even know, understand what was happening. So this is, Peter says that they don't quite, you know, they prophesied about the Messiah, they prophesied about salvation, they didn't quite understand or get what was happening. Um, and then he says that these prophets, they weren't serving themselves but us, to let us know that this is what it was. This is pretty cool to think about it. Um, is everybody still okay? We're all in pain. Feel like feel like I'm a little deep or something, deep and wide. Um, so we're gonna talk about three specific promises or prophecies about the Holy Ghost. Three things that were to be connected with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The first one. Now we'll get into the preaching part. The first one was what we read Joel. 2, 28 to 29, this gift would be for everyone. And it shall come to pass afterward, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Joel prophesied that there would be a time that comes when God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh, all people, not specific groups, not specific colors or languages or gender, whatever. It was all people. Sons, he says, daughters, old, young, servants, handmaids, it doesn't matter. The spirit that he's going to pour out is for every person. These are the people that you may not think that he would use, servants and handmaids, sons and and daughters, or people you would think that he would fill with the Spirit. But Joel says, no, this is coming for everyone. And in, in fact, in case you thought, yeah, well, that's not what it really means, Peter quotes this in the book of Acts after it happens, and the Holy Ghost is poured out, everyone's speaking in tongues, and people are like, ah, these guys are, are drunk, man. And Peter says in Acts chapter 2, 13 to 18, others mocking, he said, these are full of new wine. And Peter 
standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, You men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing as it is the third hour of the day. It's too early in the morning for this to happen. This is, we're not those kind of people. <laughs> and he says, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and I shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall see vision, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and my servants and my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. This is exactly what Joel says. So in case you weren't sure, Peter makes it clear. So the first thing we need to know about the gift of the Holy Ghost according to the Bible, not tradition or public opinion, is that this is for everyone. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care what you've done, who your parents are. Jesus wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants to save you. Yeah, well, I've done this or I've done that or I've come from this and you'll know whatever. Joel said, Peter said, all flesh. The Bible says this is for all flesh. Do me a favor. Pinch yourself. <laughs> What's that? Between your fingers. Flesh. That's you. This gift is for you. What did Peter say when he preached immediately afterwards? Don't pinch your neighbor. Immediately afterwards, when the people gathered around, they asked what to do about it and how, what do we do with this information? Peter said in Acts 2, 38 and 39, he said, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then he said, this promise is to you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as our Lord our God shall call. This is all of us, guys. This is for everyone. But what is this gift going to do? What's going to happen when his spirit is poured out? Well, God showed this part to two other prophets. He said, there's going to be a new heart inside of us. The first guy he tells this to is a guy named Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 36, 26, uh, 27, he says, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Up till now, the, the word, the scriptures, the law, Everything that connected them to God was external. It was all something we just did. And there's stone tablets and scrolls. We wore certain clothes. We, we went through ceremonies. We did all these things on the outside, a lot of all this. But one of the signs of being filled with the Spirit, according to Ezekiel, was there was going to be a new heart. So instead of everything being done that way, external, and bringing sacrifices and doing all of this stuff, he said, I'm going to change your hearts. He is going to work on the inside. Like we heard on Wednesday, if we allow him to guide us, he will lead us. And so it starts in our heart. And to Jeremiah, another prophet, he said, Jeremiah 31 and 33, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law on their inward parts and write it in their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. It's the same sort of thing that Ezekiel sees and and says, and when we receive his spirit, there is a change in our hearts, right? Amen. Things that we used to do, we no longer want to do it. Things that we used to love, we no longer love. Habits, 
attitudes and lifestyles, they can change through the power of the Spirit of God. And if you are frustrated with your life and you're feeling like there's something missing and there's something uh, that isn't quite right and there must be more, I invite you to try Jesus this morning. Pray, repent, turn to Him, receive His Spirit. He will literally change your heart. If you look in the New Testament, there was a man named Saul. Right, we know this guy. He persecuted Christians. He arrested them. He held the coats of people who murdered another man for preaching about Jesus. But then one day he was riding down the road and Jesus showed up to him and changed his life. And he became one of the greatest missionaries of all time. There's a complete change of heart that happened when he was filled with the spirit of God. I've heard stories of people who were murderers and gang members, all kinds of things. My friend um, Jerome from the Philippines, the, and he's got, he knows preachers that were like literally murderers, <laughs> gang members. Like they, they have done all kinds of crazy things and then God saved them and changed them. There's a complete change of heart. <laughs> when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, their hearts were changed. There's a hope that comes. There's a peace that comes. There's love. It's the Spirit of God working inside of us. And again, it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from or what you've done or what your background is. When God fills you, your heart is changed. And I'm sure we could take time this morning and we could go around the room and hear story after story of what I used to be like. I remember growing up, we heard stories of you know testimony times before people used to hijack it and start preaching when they weren't supposed to. But this guy, you know, he would he would just, he was so he was strung out on drugs and stuff, he would just sleep in people's doorways and then they'd kick him off the steps in the morning until he came to church and he found God and God changed his life and worked in him and delivered him. And um, seeing people that come in and just emotionally, um, physically abused and stories you couldn't even, you don't even want to. And God works and he heals and he delivers and people that have done horrible things to other people, God's changed their lives and this this is what happens. There's a new heart that's made when we're filled with his spirit. It doesn't matter again where you come from. When God fills you, your heart is changed. So we have a gift for everyone. We've got a new heart and there's one more sign from the Old Testament. This time it's from a guy named Isaiah. He says there will be a new tongue and rest. Isaiah 59 and 21 says, As for me, this is the covenant, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart of thy mouth, nor shall them, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. So God tells Isaiah that he's going to put words in his mouth. Okay. Maybe that's just because he's a prophet. I guess you can argue that. But what about this? Isaiah 20 and 11, for with stammering lips and another tongue, he says, will he speak to his people? God said that he would use another tongue to speak to his people. So in other words, an unknown or unfamiliar tongue, something that people didn't understand they were saying. So if you, um, if you just take one of these verses, one of these prophets' prophecies, um, you don't get the whole picture. But when you put them all together, you get everything that happens in Acts chapter 2. You've got Peter quoting Joel saying, this is it, guys. This is what he was talking about. You've got people's hearts being changed. There's thousands that repent and are baptized and filled with the Spirit and added to the church. You've got this other tongues stuff happening. And 
uh, 2 and 4, it says they're all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then um, verse 6 to 12, and now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled and said one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? So people would come from all over for a feast. And the people that were in the upper room were all pretty much from Galilee, which is a province. And these other people would come from all over, so they, they would speak one language, and then they would have their local language. And then they said, how, how are these people saying these things? Because they're all from Galilee. This doesn't make any sense. This is, you know, we didn't have Duolingo or Rosetta Stone or whatever. Then you had to go and live in a place to learn the language. And he says, now we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. They're... Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers of Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and um, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and these parts of Libya um, about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes and Cretes and Arabians and how we, we hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God and they were all amazed and were in doubt saying one to another what meaneth this? I've said before, when you, if you are in a place that people you know, don't speak your language, when you hear it, it's like, like we've said before, we were in uh, Africa, uh, French Africa, nobody speaks English, and if they do, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> we have people driving, they just, it's the same as when I try to speak French. But when we were at this grocery store, and I heard some guy with some southern drawl on the other side of the store, no, like, aisles over. And like, oh, oh some little jeans or something, I don't know. And I was like, <laughs> I hear it. That's my language. And this is what happens. These people, there's like 120 or so, about 120, all speaking different languages. And these people are picking it up, all these different um, places that they've listed. And they're just, this one, oh, I'm hearing it. And they're all saying the same sorts of things about God. And they're like, this is incredible. How is this? happening. So you've got all these devout Jews from all over gathered at Jerusalem. They hear this. Galileans, they don't speak these dialects. They don't speak these languages. They're speaking theirs and God speaks through them. And this is how God showed them they received the Spirit. He said another tongue. And all throughout the book of Acts you see this happen. It's the initial sign that we've received the Spirit of God. That there's been a change. Our hearts are being changed like Ezekiel and Jeremiah said. This is the outpouring Joel prophesied about and this is how we know that it's happening. And why tongues? Mostly because we have a hard time controlling it. The Bible says no man can tame it. I don't know if you've ever said something and immediately regretted it. I do it up here all the time. <laughs> or, you know, if you're married, it probably never happens. Or I told this story where I told the guy to calm down. That was dumb. <laughs> never tell someone to calm down. It never works. <laughs> right, we have a hard time controlling it. Sometimes things come out that we don't want it um, to come out and we just immediately regret it. You know. I'm getting old. I opened my mouth and my mother came out. Does that ever happen? <laughs> or my father? Whatever. Things just come out without us thinking. We have a hard time controlling what we say, right? It happens. 
And so by God using our tongue and speaking through, if this is his way of saying, hey, I'm here and things are changing now. This guy can't control what he says, but I'm going to do it. And so, um, and then there's never a doubt in your mind that you received it. It's a physical sign. It's something that you can't say didn't happen, right? It's something that actually happens. So you're not in this sort of, I don't know, did I receive or whatever. And so, um, my wife's gone still. Brother Weir, if you could play something. Sorry, put me on the spot again. She keeps leaving me. So as you can see, this isn't just some weird and wacky thing that Pentecostals made up to be different than others. This is in the Bible. This is a promise from God that he is, that has been foretold by prophets in the Old Testament. It's a real thing. And God has promised to pour his spirit on all flesh. And it's up to us to receive it today. You know what happens when you receive it. Your hearts change, tongues are spoken, lives are changed. It's the Spirit of God coming to dwell inside of us. This is something that the prophets in the Old Testament longed for. It's something that angels, Peter says, don't quite understand, but they want to, how this happens. It's an incredible gift from God, and like any gift, it needs to be received. You know, we just went through Christmas. People give you a gift, but if you don't take it and open it, it's just there. <laughs> it needs to be received. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to plead for it. If you've repented and you've turned from your sins and you've asked for forgiveness and you have faith and believe, just start worshiping out loud and let God fill you. Yeah. You can receive it in your seat. Amen. Did you know that? Yeah. Book of Acts, what does it say? Well, they're all sitting. You can receive it in your seat. You come up here in the altar and you can receive it. You can get it in the baptismal tank after you've been baptized. You can get it in your living room or, or your bedroom. You can be filled while you're out in the woods camping. I know of people that have every one of these situations they receive the Spirit of God. And so, um, if we could all stand. If you want to receive the Holy Ghost today, Jesus wants to fill you. It's been promised like we've seen in the Bible. If you have received it, we're going to take some time. We're going to praise Him and thank Him for it and let Him continue um, to work in our lives. Well, let's take some time this morning and, and, and pray and seek, seek God. And I hope that was clear. I know there's a lot of verses and there's a lot of all over the Bible and sometimes it's hard to follow. I hope it made some sort of sense. But let's just seek Him today and let Him work and Whatever your situation is, if you want to receive it, He can fill you today. If you have, praise and thank Him for it. If it's been a while, let Him work again. Uh, in Jesus' name.